You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, hello again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Ask the Expert segment for August 2019. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is David Rosenberg. David is the Chief Economist and Strategist at Gluskin Chef in Toronto. And if you've been around for a while, you're probably familiar with his work. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's a, a tremendous analyst, and, and Eric Sprott describes him as his favorite economist, which is, I think, a good title to have. David, David, welcome to Ask the Expert. Well, thanks very much. And, uh, you know, after that introduction uh, via uh, Eric, uh, I almost feel like changing my name from Rosenberg to Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea. I, I, I ponder changing my name to Sprott from time to time, but I'm not sure anybody would buy it. Um, hey, before we get started, just a reminder, uh, these uh, Ask the Expert segments are brought to you by Sprott Money. This is our, a source for physical gold bullion, physical metal storage, uh, and all the insights that, that uh, you can find in the industry. Go to SprottMoney.com. You can always check the Deals tab for great deals that we offer on physical metal. You can call us at 888-861-0775. And if you want to receive all the latest news and blog posts from Sprott Money, just sign up for our Sprott Money newsletter. It's right there on the SprottMoney.com homepage. We also want to offer, because David Rosenberg's our guest, we got a complimentary one-month trial to his daily research piece called Breakfast with Dave. You can contact... Marcel Alls at Gluskin Shift, and uh, and Marcel will set you up with that one month complimentary free trial of that daily research piece. The email you want to hit is Malls M A U L L S at GluskinShift.com, which is G L U S K I N S H E F F GluskinShift.com. Get yourself up to speed every morning with a latest update from our guest, David Rosenberg. David, again, thank you for joining us. We've been collecting questions all month for you. If you're ready, I'll hit you with question number one. Let's go. All right, my friend. Uh, this, is a, this is a fun one. Boy, it seems like one of the things driving gold prices this year is a massive rally in the global bond market. We've got negative yields uh, all across Europe. The entire yield curve in Germany and Switzerland, the Netherlands, now negative. It's a remarkable world we live in. Uh, the first question has to deal with that. The world now has over $16 trillion worth of negative yielding debt. Do you see this trend continuing? And is the U.S. potentially headed toward negative yields as well? Well, you know, in answer to the question, uh, this is what uh, a lot of us have been talking about for a while, which is uh, the uh, Japanification of the global economy. Uh, and... Uh, it's obviously hit uh, Europe, uh, primarily Germany, uh, before it hits the U.S. Uh, and um, the question is, can yields get more negative than they already are? Uh, and the answer is, yes, they can. Uh, and as bizarre as that sounds, that we're in a world of uh, negative interest rates, the reality is that inflation is also at historically low levels, especially at this stage of the expansion. Uh, you know, we're at the peak of the economic cycle, and global inflation is 2%. Uh, inflation in Germany, for example, which is now the poster child for negative yields out the curve, inflation there is 1%. 
and they're about to go into a recession, uh, which means that inflation is going to go negative. So what the bond market here is telling you, whether you agree with it or not, is that we're going into a deflationary world where these year-over-year inflation rates also go from positive to negative. That's why you can actually have positive real yields and have negative nominal yields in a world where we get into a deflationary experience, which is what I think the markets here are telling you. Uh, and uh, could it happen in the U.S.? The answer is that uh, I think that it probably could. Uh, at the very least, I would say this much. I think that the 10-year Treasury note yield is going to finally converge on where 10-year gilts are. Very tight relationship between gilts and treasuries. And uh, the question is, will Treasury yields catch down to gilts or will gilt yields catch up to treasuries? And I think even if there is a meeting of the minds between the two of them, there's going to be a lot of money to be made being long treasuries over the course of the next year. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you my own follow-up question because this has been on my mind for a couple of weeks. You know, the, the central banks have created all this cash, which sloshes around the planet and seeks a safe haven and drives those yields even deeper to negative. And now the central banks are talking about creating more cash with more QE programs. They say they want to fight, infl- they want to inspire inflation, but aren't negative yields deflationary at their core? Well, it's an interesting comment that you make. Because uh, let's even take a look at the at the U.S. situation where interest rates are microscopic; uh, they're not negative. Uh, but what these low interest rates have done, or call it negative interest rates abroad, is they incentivize CEOs to do what? Uh, to go borrow money cheaply uh, to then go buy their stock, yeah. which is why we've been in an earnings per share boom this cycle. It's their dollar earnings haven't been in a boom, but uh, CEOs get paid uh, for EPS. So we've gone through the mother of all share buybacks that have been financed through ultra-low interest rates. So in some perverse sense, uh, you're not far off the mark. Uh, We have structural impediments globally. Uh, We have uh, political uncertainty, geopolitical uncertainty. Uh, We have a definitive recession in global trade flows uh, caused by what's happening uh, on the uh, the tariff front, not just China, U.S., but really globally. We're in an implosion right now, a contraction of global trade. Monetary policy is not suited for that. And it's also frozen capital spending in time. And capital spending inherently is not interest-sensitive like housing and consumer spending is right now. Consumer spending and housing is not the problem. The problem is exports and capital spending. Monetary policy is no antidote. So what you really need to see is some sort of dramatic fiscal response in the end. Uh, Ultimately, I think, look, in the next year or two, if you're going to ask me, will we see MMT, you know, the the magical money tree? I think there's a good chance that'll be the definitive end game. Uh, But that's what we have to see is not just monetary policy, but working together with fiscal policy. And the other part, of course, is that we're just choking on too much debt globally. And uh, not much monetary policy can do against these particular issues. It's rather impotent. So uh, my sense is that we'll see something more dramatic in the next 12, 24 months than just what the, the central banks are doing around the world. Yeah. All right, let's move on to question number two. This comes from somebody who probably spent some time on Twitter because I see this debate on Twitter quite a bit. And I, again, I would encourage folks, if you're on Twitter, to follow David on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, his Twitter handle is EconGuyRosie, R-O-S-I-E, EconGuyRosie. I would encourage you to check that out. Um, so to the question, David, is um, this idea that, especially in the emerging markets, there's a shortage of U.S. dollars to cover all this uh, debt. Will a shortage of U.S. dollars eventually lead to a rally in the dollar? Or will, you know, the ongoing QE and debts and deficits in the U.S. 
lead to a drop? Well, it's almost a tautology. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, there is a, uh, a shortage of dollar liquidity. Um, and uh, the global monetary base, actually, in dollar terms, is negative uh, 6% year over year. Uh, my sense is this, uh, especially for investors that um, are craving income or yield, which is in dramatic uh, short supply right now, there's a dramatic, unprecedented, actually, scarcity of income. Uh, and yet, 90% uh, of the world's income right now, if you're looking at it in the fixed income market, is coming in the U.S. So insofar as global investors are seeking yield uh, and seeking it in, uh, in liquidity, uh, the treasury market, and I guess you could say the highest quality parts of the investor grade market, they're the only game in town. So I'd say that for the here and now, uh, notwithstanding the fact that the charts are looking a little bit toppy, my sense is that the U.S. dollar uh, is going to remain uh, in an upward trajectory until something breaks that, uh, and I don't see that over the near term. So I'm actually dollar bullish for the time being. All right. That's a great segue to question number three, actually. Uh, and that is, uh, for all of our Canadian listeners, what is your 6- to 12-month outlook for the Canadian dollar? You know, I have this particular view, which is that we're going into a, a global economic downturn. We are seeing a, um, a uh, serious contraction of global trade flows. I wrote about this today in my daily breakfast with Dave about what's happening to global trade volumes. Uh, that definitively is in a recession. Uh, the American consumer is not in a recession. Uh, that much is for sure. Uh, but capital spending is, and so is global trade. And when push comes to shove, Canada is a torque on global growth. Uh, the Canadian dollar has been hanging in, I think, very well lately, uh, partly because of the views that the Bank Canada is not going to follow the Fed on this easing cycle. Uh, but I think that it probably will end up following the Fed. And I think that in a period where we go through a global economic downturn, you're not going to find a period of history where the Canadian dollar rallies in that environment. Uh, so I say, you know, color me moderately bearish on the loony for the time being. Okay. Sticking in Canada, question number four has to do with your current forecast for the Canadian real estate market. What do you think there? Because it's so intersensitive and interest rates are going to be going down as opposed to up, uh, and Canada right now is benefiting from dramatic uh, immigration inflows. I mean, we're talking about 400,000 net international immigration into this country is practically unheard of. In fact, um, you know, we have the same fertility rate as the U.S., the same birth rate, and yet population growth in Canada is running 1.5% right now, which is actually more than triple what it is in the U.S. and the strongest in the OECD. So when you're looking at real estate, uh, you know, besides location, 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 you're looking at where interest rates are going down, and you're looking at demographics, and they're quite favorable. So I'd say that um, they play into a favorable view on Canadian real estate, notwithstanding the valuations in some areas. Uh, but I'd say that uh, those are going to be factors that unless we go into a dramatic uh, you know, liquidity constraint, which is always possible if we go into a global recession like we saw temporarily in 2008 and in 2009. Uh, but my sense is that the balance of risks favor Canada as being a uh, very good jurisdiction for uh, real estate inflow. And keep in mind also what's happening in Hong Kong and China right now. And you tie that into the turnaround that we're seeing recently in Vancouver. Um, 
the odds that you see capital inflow and population inflow from Asia into Vancouver, Vancouver is the most uh, Asian-centric uh, in terms of population share in the world outside of Asia, and that includes San Francisco. Uh, that's a, actually, as much as Toronto was a turnaround story in the past year for re- residential real estate in Canada, uh, keep an eye on Vancouver right now from, uh, from, a, from an Asian capital inflow perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very good point. All right, my friend, we are more than halfway done. And we can now move on to question number five. We're going to get back to the dollar with this one. You know, I, I think a lot of folks, if you study history, you know that the the power that comes, uh, what do we call it? the exorbitant privilege of having your currency be the global reserve currency is, is transitory. It's not something that's permanent. The U.S. dollar has been the global reserve currency since the end of World War II. So we're now talking going on 75 years. What is your opinion? Is a shift away from the U.S. dollar as reserve currency status inevitable? It's uh, certainly a, uh, a tempting uh, conclusion. Uh, and, uh, you know, the only reason why I, I step back from it, because uh, I don't think the U.S. will be losing its reserve currency status anytime soon. And I say that full well knowing uh, the challenges uh, from crypto and, of course, the fact that um, uh, many central banks uh, in the past, uh, you know, one to two years have been dramatically building up their gold reserves. Uh, but I've been hearing about uh, the U.S. dollar losing its reserve currency status all the way back to 1999, you know, when the euro uh, saw its inception, and that was going to be the new kid on the block um, uh, competing for uh, reserve currency status with the U.S. dollar. Well, we know that never happened. Uh, so I'm reticent to say that um, despite all the warts, scars, and pimples, uh, uh, politically, economically, financially, uh, you know, in the in the in the foreign current in the foreign exchange markets, it's it's in the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. It's all about pair trades because you're talking about exchange rates. It's one currency pitted against another, and the U.S. has its problems. Uh, but the problem is that the rest of the world's problems are far more acute in many respects. So the answer is no, uh, and it doesn't mean I'm not bullish on gold. I am, uh, but uh, do I think the U.S. will be losing its preserved currency status um, in the next, say, several years? Uh, I just don't see that happening. I mean, there has to be an alternative first. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of like you want to fire your football coach, but if not him, who? You know, you got to have a plan. Well, that's, that's exactly right. And people, you know, first there's going to be the euro, and then, uh, you know, there's even people talking about that at some point it'll be China. But, you know, uh, that's not going to happen, I don't think, probably even in our lifetime. Uh, and uh, you got to keep in mind that what the U.S. has, I mean, everybody talks about that. Well, the country with the uh, strongest military and the strongest naval power, that's the currency that is the, is, is the dominant um, um, currency that you'd use for your means of payment globally, so on and so forth. But the U.S. has something else, uh, which is called property rights, um, which a lot of other countries don't have, by the way. And and so you have a legal structure, you have property rights. You do have, notwithstanding the divisiveness uh, in the U.S., which I haven't seen in my lifetime, um, but uh, you still have, um, uh, you know, you still have political and economic and financial stability. That's the envy of the rest of the world. I don't think the U.S. dollar is going to lose that degree of trust. Now, is it possible? Well, anything is possible. But in a base case scenario, uh, the answer is no. I don't think the U. I don't think things will get that bad that it will lose that degree of trust globally. Uh, 
And you're right, some other challenger has to come up. You know, remember, go back all the way to 1999. Go and Google the Euro's inception, and that was going to be the new challenge. And then when that didn't happen, of course, oh, it was, it was going to be special drawing rights from the IMF. So people cook up this stuff all the time. Um, and uh, that's one of the reasons why, even though it's always topical, um, you've got to ask yourself the question, why would we be talking about this now uh, with the DXY challenging its highs for the year? I mean, normally we're talking about the U.S. dollar losing its reserve currency status if it was plumbing the depths. I remember it was plumbing the depths back in 1995 after the Mexican crisis and the U.S. having to bail out Mexico. Uh, and um, But to be talking about you know, the U.S. losing its reserve currency status when the DXY is crossed above 98 is just a little too premature for my liking. Sure. Very good points. All right. Just two questions to go, Dave. Um, and I think this is one that's probably on the minds of everybody that follows the precious metals. Uh, do you see the next recession? Because, of course, we haven't ended the business cycle, at least not yet. So it's probably coming. Is the next recession slash market crash slash QE program is that positive or negative for gold in the miners, especially a market crash, you know, where sometimes a baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, right? And margin calls everywhere. What do you think? Well, uh, so I'm not going to get into, you know, what a possible negative thumb flu impact could be because you sell your winners uh, to cover your margin calls because some other asset class gets hammered. Let's just talk about um, what is going to happen when we actually get into the next recession. You got to keep in mind that look where interest rates are right now. Look where interest rates got to at the peak of the stock market cycle and at the bottom of the unemployment cycle. Look at where they are. And then look at where they're going to be when the stock market is rolling well off its peaks yeah. and when unemployment's going up. Just wrap that around. Think about the deflationary experience that's going to mean for interest rates. And so interest rates are going to go down further. I believe that they will go more negative. I think that the most important inverse relationship on the planet is interest rates against gold. And I could throw silver in there too, by the way. Um, and so that's because gold doesn't play, play a coupon and interest rates matter for gold as much as anything else. That, that's the first point that I would make. And then you've got to think about that how is the Fed going to fight the next recession? And they're going to fight it hard. So that means not just the possibility of going back to zero or negative. And don't think that negative rates aren't being contemplated at the central bank. It is. Uh, over and beyond that, QE, it'll be QE on steroids. And then I think that we will see in the next year or two, uh, MMT. I think we will see uh, the magical money tree. Uh, so I, that's just a different form of debt monetization. That will be inflationary. So you want to buy gold now for the prospect that rates go down even further globally. And you want to then double up on that because when the Fed gets really serious uh, and it not only does QE plus, but it also engages, which I think is the end game, which is the debt jubilee, which will be reflationary. You want to own gold for the inflation protection. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be the next chapter. A different reason to why you want to own gold at that point. I think we blow well through well through two thousand dollars an ounce. Yeah. All right, David. With our final question, uh, this would probably be a good one just for your economist hat. Not necessarily financial advice, obviously, but just as an economist. This person wanted to know they're currently 
sitting heavy in cash, short-term bonds, and gold. But as you look ahead at what seems to be coming over the horizon, would a better strategy to be to pay off debt at these interest rate levels or add to a gold portfolio? I mean, it all comes down to your personal financial situation. I mean, usually you'd want to pay off your debt when interest rates are unusually high. Um, so, you know, unless you were in completely uh, dire circumstances and the banks are cutting up your credit cards, no, um, I don't think that uh, paying down debt is something you want to do at these level of rates. Um, at some point, as rates get negative, look what's happening in Germany, for example, or in Europe, uh, cash, you're actually being taxed on cash. So I look at cash less as really a fundamental part of the asset mix and more to have it as optionality uh, to put to use uh, as uh, other assets um, get cheaper in value. Uh, I like the gold. I like the silver. Um, I don't know so much about the short-term bonds. I don't know what the value there is. Uh, If I want to pick up yields right now, I want to pick up income and a capital gain, Uh, Based on my view that inflation, as minuscule as it is, is going to go even lower, which means that we could go into a mild deflationary phase. I wouldn't be in short-term bonds, my friends. I would be in long-duration, high-quality bonds. In fact, I would be tiptoeing into 30-year zeros. And I could tell you that if my forecast on interest rates is right, that the U.S. converges on the rest of the world as opposed to the rest of the world converging on the U.S. and you buy uh, zero-coupon bonds, your total return is going to be at least 30% in the coming year. Now, that's not a guarantee. That's a forecast based on my assumptions. But I would actually be more tempted to, if you're going to have cash in particular, don't double down by having short-term bonds. Uh, If you're going to be in cash, I would actually barbell that by being long-duration 30-year treasuries right now. Yeah, seems like a lot of hedge funds are doing that too. Um, we've been speaking with David Rosenberg, who's the chief economist and strategist at Gluskin Chef in Toronto. Man, just fabulous information, Dave. I, this has been very insightful, and I'm sure everybody that has listened has found it very helpful. I really want to thank you for sharing some of your time with us. Excellent. Well, it was wonderful being here as well. And if anybody wants to reach me directly, uh, you can call me at uh, 647-802-4146. Wow, what a great offer there, too, to be able to share your insights directly. That's very kind of you, very generous of you. Encourage everybody to check that out again. Or you can also contact that email address we gave you at the beginning of the program to sign up for Breakfast with Dave. And, of course, visit SproutMoney.com for any of your gold and silver bullion needs. Dave, again, thank you so much for your time. Okay, all the best, everybody. Take care. And from all of us here at SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next month.